okay? I'm glad you're here today. I just want to share something really quick. Just how beautiful you people are. You're beautiful people. I'm thankful for you. Isn't this a good body of believers? This is a good church. I'm just so thankful to be here. I'm glad that you're a part of it. Uh, and uh, I just I can just look at over the faces and just, you know, the different connections that I have with some of you and, and some I haven't even really met yet, but I'm going to meet you. And uh, I'm just thankful that you're here. And God's got something in store for you today. He loves you. He's got a plan for you. And we love you. And we're glad that you're here. So thank you for being here. Well, hey, Pastor's been talking about uh, the Holy Spirit in the past couple months. I don't know if you've heard any of his message. If you've been here, they've been pretty powerful. Uh, and then uh, Brother Nate Ortiz was here last week, brought an awesome word of the Lord of, uh, about the story of Jesus and Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And, uh, and he's like, told, told Martha, didn't I tell you? Oh, man, that was a good message. Man. I love that. Didn't I? T- and that, that just stuck with me. Didn't I tell you that you'd see the glory of God if you just believe? Whew. I'm going to remember that. Next time, like, I doubt, I'm going to hear that little Nate Ortiz. Didn't I tell you? You know, I can't do it like he did it, but he, he's awesome. Uh, but we're going to continue in the theme of uh, who the Holy Spirit is and, and how the Holy Spirit works in our lives today. Um, but I just want to kind of give a quick introduction to this message and just kind of talk about uh, how many of you think like the world's changing? Is the world changing? Does it seem like the world's changing right now? Does it seem like there's like birth pains going on in our environment and in like the physical world? Like something's happening. Doesn't it seem like it? Seems like it to me. Does it seem like our culture is changing at all? <laughs> to me it does. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not to you, but I mean, it seems like right's wrong and wrong's right, right? I mean, it's crazy. Uh, so for some of you who are a little bit older, like you lived through like like the 60s and 70s. I mean, that was a, a great upheaval of culture. And it seems like even now, it's like, I don't know if it's going back to that, if there's like a cycle going on or what, but it just seems like stuff's changing. And even like spiritually, I just feel like there's a stirring up of God's people. I just feel like, you know, there's been different cycles throughout history of, of God moving in different ways. Uh, but it seems like everything's culminating to now. Like every, every different move of the Spirit has been like for today. Like there was different restorations. There was different impartations like over the past centuries. But it's like all coming together now. Like we're seeing the fullness of everything. I mean, it's, it's pretty powerful to me. But at the same time, there's a, there's a great upheaval of darkness, it seems like too. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't to you, but it does to me. It just seems like stuff's going on. And, but I'm encouraged because I look at you people. I look at each and every one of you, and I look at our leadership and just our worship team and, and just the different ministries that we have in place, and I'm just encouraged. I'm just excited for what God's doing here. I'm excited that God's, like, building something here, like, physically and spiritually. Like, we're growing. Like, stuff's happening. People's lives are being changed. And it's like, uh, to me, it seems like God's building a dream team. I told Pastor Carlos that a couple months ago. I'm like, it seems like just like a dream team of leadership of our board, just of the different ministries, of just the, the diverse people that we've got here. It's like a dream team. How many people remember the dream team back, was it, was it the 90s, uh, when uh, they finally let professional players uh, play in the Olympics? It wasn't just amateurs. And then they assembled the dream team in basketball. It was like Michael Jordan. Who are some, anybody know some of the other people? Around? Brian probably knows. Yeah, I was, I was like coaching it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't even know. I can't remember, like, some of the other players. Michael Jordan just sticks out in my mind because he's, you know, the greatest of all time. 
don't know if Larry Bird was on it. Maybe Isaiah Thomas, probably, you know. JT Barrett. You know, they're just, just like the dream team. <laughs> you know, and it's like, but with that dream team, it was kind of, it's kind of weird back then because they had no competition back then. I mean, when, when, when the dream team was formed, they crushed the whole world. I mean, we just literally blew everybody out of the water. I mean, they're doing like alley-oops, slam, backward slam dunks. I mean, it was just, it was crazy because they were so good, right? But God's building a dream team here. And usually when, when you have a, a high level of skill and, and, you know, expertise, it's because there's, on the opposite side, there's a high level of competition. There's a high level of crisis or, you know, and so you really rise to the top when you face great adversity. And so even though we have a dream team here and even though God's moving and God's building something, it's like, in my mind, it's like, okay, well, what's coming, Lord? <laughs> what, what are you preparing us for? Because I believe God's preparing us for something. You know, I believe things are changing in our world and God's raising up an army to be an answer to that. Even though there's like great darkness and great uh, suffering and, and hurt and evil, well, God's raising up light to answer that. You know, someone's got to be the light of the world. Someone's got to be the salt of the earth. Someone has to be that city on a hill that leads people to Christ. Well, that's what God's doing. And maybe you're like, maybe you're, you're like, well, I don't know if I'm ready for all that, you know. I got my own issues. Well, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because, you know, you don't have to fight the giant today. You know, you don't have to go out and preach to a million people in a giant crusade or, or you know, have some great healing revival. But God wants to meet you where you are today. God wants to do something with, with you know, your couple fishes and couple loaves. You know, with what you have, with the resources that he's given you, with the talents that, that are hidden in your heart today. He wants to do something right there. And we're going to talk about that today. And so the title of my message is, is to live in the comfort zone. See, no matter where you are in life, God wants you to live in the comfort zone. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I've always heard preachers say God wants to get you out of your comfort zone, right? God, God wants to stretch you and move you and put you in difficult situations and, and make you grow. And uh, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, that's true. I, I believe that. I've preached that myself. You know, I, I've heard those messages, and they're 100% accurate. But at the same time, we're going to talk about a comfort zone that you can have right here through anything, through the most difficult situations, through the most trying times, through the greatest victories. There's a comfort that you can live in and be successful in every area of your life. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to live in the comfort zone. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to John 14, John 14, verses 15 through 18, and also 26 and 27. And I'd really encourage you to, to uh, spend some time in the book of John, but especially in chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. John 14, 15, 16 and 17. And what I like to call those, those chapters is Jesus unleashed. It's like Jesus finally just like breaks down and just unloads it all on his disciples. 
He lets all the secrets out. He just like pours it all out. You know, I, I, uh, if you ever saw the first Incredible Hawk movie, like it didn't get good reviews, but I really liked the movie. And it, I'll, I'll give a spoiler here at the end. He's like fighting, you know, the absorber, like this great adversary. And, he, and this, this evil guy was trying, which actually was the guy's dad, which strangely enough, but he's trying to absorb like all Hawk's power. You know, the Incredible Hawk is just so powerful. And, uh, and so, and, and Hawk was holding back, and they're in the struggle. And finally, the incredible Hawk just goes, you want this? You want the power that I have to, you know, have to deal with? And he's like, take it all, you know? And he just unleashes all the power to this, this evil guy. And so he absorbs all his power, but he's like, no, it's too much. And the guy just explodes, so I just ruined the whole movie for you. Well, that's what these passages are. Jesus unleashed. He unloads. And if you want to know who Jesus is and what he really has in store for you, read these four chapters, and it will change your life forever. We're just going to talk about a little piece today. All right. So John 14, 15 through 18, and 26 and 27. I'm going to start reading here. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Let's stop right there. I'm already just interrupting myself. Did, did we read that right? Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Whew. I don't know why I'm stopping right here right now, but we've got a lot more to talk about. But didn't we just sing that? We love you, Lord. We, we give ourselves to you. We put you first. We want all that you have, and, and we just lay everything down at your feet, and, and we just love you with our whole hearts, and we sang that. And we offered up ourselves to him, right? What's his response? If you love me, keep my commandments. We'll get back to that. Keep that in mind. Let's continue. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells in you and will be he dwells with you, sorry, and will be in you. So there's a dual working of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit within and the Spirit within. I'm not going to talk about that, though, today. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now jump down to 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus with completely open hearts. We may not even realize, Father, what is in our heart and what you want to deal with us today. But Father, we make the commitment to open our hearts unto you, to open our ears to hear and our eyes to see. We pray for your anointing that would come upon us, that your spirit would rise up from within us. Father, we just pray for Pastor Carlos and Sister Becca and the girls as they are ministering your word today. Would you anoint them, Father? And would you give those people ears to hear what you would speak to them through Pastor today? And please speak to us here this morning, Father, that we may love you and do what you command us today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so let's talk about specifically in that passage of Scripture where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit as being our helper. Now, this is the English Standard Version, and they use the words helper there. But I like the Amplified Version because that word helper, it's kind of, 
That can mean anything to us. Helper. Okay, he helps us. All right, well, if you look it up in the Amplified, it says it's a lot more. It's in more in depth. A lot of other translations also say comforter there. So here's what the Amplified says, that the Holy Spirit is our comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. So when Jesus is saying here, and I will ask the Father and will give you another comforter. I'll give you another counselor. I'll give you another helper and an intercessor, another advocate, a strengthener, and I'm going to give you a standby. So that's who the Holy Spirit is, all of those things, and and probably even more, you know, if you think about it. And that Holy Spirit, he says, is going to be in us, and he's going to be with us. And he's going to teach us all things and bring to our remembrance all that Jesus has said. And so that Holy Spirit is all things to us. And that's what Pastor's been talking about the past couple months, of of who he is and how we can live with him and interact with him and, and how he can lead us and teach us. But we're going to focus on who he is as a comforter living in that comfort zone. Because we've got to enter that comfort zone. That's my next point. We've got to enter in. Okay, if the Holy Spirit is this in our lives, if Jesus said he's going to send the Holy Spirit, okay, and, and, and he did. Remember the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit finally showed up? Whew. I mean, it was, it was powerful. It shook the earth. And it wasn't just our little building, you know, it didn't just shake like the table and chairs, you know, and just, and no, everybody in the whole town, like, what, what's going on? And they heard a giant, right, mighty rushing wind, and it was like, what is going on? And then like fire just invaded the place, and they're like on fire, you know? Like Nick was saying about the burning bush this morning, you know, he, this actual fire of the Lord was sitting on the people, and they're like, cool, it was nine o'clock in the morning, you know? It's like they just got done with breakfast, and suddenly, Bam! The Holy Spirit shows up, and they're empowered. They're already Christians. By the definition, they believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that God sent him, and then he rose from the dead, and they confessed it with their mouth, and they believed it in their heart. So they were born again already. But the Holy Spirit showed up, and Jesus said they were endued with power from on high so that they could go be empowered to be witnesses throughout the whole world, and we're an example of that today. We're living that same calling and that same experience today. So we've got to enter the comfort zone. Let's take a look at how the Apostle Paul entered the comfort zone. I'm going to read another scripture here. You see, remember, God's preparing something for us. Not only that, but we're in some stuff right now that we need his help with. So this is 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, if you want to turn with me. Yeah, because I don't think it's up on the screen. All right, so here's the Apostle Paul. Now remember, the Apostle Paul went through some suffering, okay? So he's writing the Corinthians, kind of just reminding them, hey, take heart, okay? I've been through this. Let's see what he has to say in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort. Let's just stop right there for a second. 
the father of mercies. Do you realize all mercy comes from God? It comes from him. He's the father of it, the creator of it, the author of all mercy. It's his idea. Then it says, the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. All comfort comes from God. Wait a minute, you know, God wants us comfortable? Like, you know, like I said before. Do you realize all comfort comes from God? Aren't we kind of chasing comfort in our lives? We're chasing it. I mean, these seats were designed to be comfortable, right? You know, this, this environment, our heat system and air conditioning, we want to be comfortable, right? Everything we buy, it's for our comfort. It's going to make us feel good. The kind of foods we eat, you know, comfort food, it's even called that. Every single thing in the world is designed <clears throat> for comfort. And so in a sense, we're chasing God in that way. Think about where God lives it's comfortable. Oh, yeah. The mansions that he's preparing for us, oh, I tell you what, I don't even care what my house looks like right now, you know, because I've got something building right now. I've got a mansion, maybe two, I don't know, you know. You know how they always say, look, you're not supposed to strive, you know, for riches and stuff and rewards in this life, but you know what? It's okay to strive for heavenly riches, you can get greedy for heavenly riches. There's nothing wrong with that. That's our reward. And that's why we live for Christ. Because he's worthy, but also he rewards those who diligently seek him. So we're trying in the natural realm to, to do, to, to basically copy God. But we're only doing it from a physical sense. But we have to learn to do it also in a spiritual sense of how to not so much care about our physical comfort. That's, that's the difference I'm trying to make here. We don't always have to be physically comfortable or mentally comfortable or, you know what I mean, in the right, just right environment. We can have something in our heart that always makes us comfortable, that always brings us comfort in a difficult situation, that help that we need to succeed no matter what we're going through. Okay, <laughs> let's pick up here. So that's all from God, the God of all comfort. Verse 4. Who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's just powerful right there. For we share, for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. That's an I guess I gotta keep pausing here. I don't know why I'm pausing on every verse. So hang on a second. So there's suffering that we share in Christ's suffering. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, but that means at the same time, we share in Christ's comfort. Wait, so you're telling me Jesus was comfortable? I'm talking in here, okay? What do you mean? You said, Jesus said, hey, I don't even have a place to lay my head. You know, I don't, I don't, But, but look at Jesus' life. Think about uh, when, when Jesus entered the third part of the last third of his ministry when he was headed towards the cross and his ministry kind of changed and he started telling his disciples, hey, I'm going to go be crucified. And they're like, huh? You know, they didn't even get it. 
I'm like, you know, ever read like the, the Gospels, you're like, how come you didn't get it, guys? You're like, I'm looking right here. Jesus just said, they're going to betray me, and they're going to offer me up, and they're going to despise me and crucify me, and then I'm going to raise again. And they're just like clueless, like, you mean spiritually, Jesus, spiritually, you know, spiritually speaking. You ever hear, God wants us blessed spiritually, you know? <laughs> no, it was for real, for real, okay, for reals. He's going to the cross. And it's like, how come he didn't get it, disciples? But anyway, it says in Luke 9, when uh, he started to go uh, to the cross, you know, in that portion of his ministry, the last third, it says he set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. What does that mean? He set his face like flint. What's like flint? Flint's like, you know, it's like strong. It's like, you know, if you're going to hit something against, it's just going to spark off, you know, and it's still going one way. In other words, he was going to Jerusalem. Yet at the same time, he was all right, you know. He's still ministering to everybody. He's still going uh, to dinners, and he's, you know, laying hands on sick people, and they're still getting healed, and he's still ministering. And, you know, even like when people are interrupting him, you know, he's going this way, and he goes to this village, and he's still heading towards Jerusalem, you know. But then, like, all these sick people, you know, okay, let's have a healing revival. All right. You know, he's just, he's just going where, you know, if something came up, he just ministered to people. Because even though he was headed one way, he still lived in the present, in the moment. And he was letting God work through him and, and being uh, the deliverer to those people all around him. Because, number one, ministry is about people. It's not about destination. It's about who you're with and what's going on right now. Okay? And God will worry about getting us to a place. But, but let's just trust in him where we are. Okay, all right, let's, let's pick this back up. All right, so let's pick up uh, back in 7. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received a sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So here's Paul's is kind of just in a nutshell, relating, you know, all the stuff he went through. I mean, other than Jesus himself, the Apostle Paul went through probably more than any other person that I know of, okay? It's probably even who's alive today. I mean, the man just went through a tremendous amount of persecution and affliction. I mean, just beaten, tortured, just, you know, spent like a night and a day in the middle of the ocean, you know, just floating there. Okay, God, you know. Praise the Lord as he's, you know, swimming. I mean, just, you know, people betrayed him, stabbed him in the back, literally and, you know, figuratively. And uh, I remember the story uh, when he and Silas were beaten for preaching the gospel. You know, they whipped him, and then, and then they just threw him in a dungeon, bound him with chains, hand and feet, just beaten up. I mean, can you imagine that? 
You ever just been like so sore or just so ill that you're just like, I just got to die, Lord, to get better. You know, I, I just got to, to feel better, I'd actually have to die, you know. I've been there, you know, but here he is, bleeding, beaten. You know, I can just imagine his face probably looked like Rocky, just, you know, just bloody pulp. And what happened? It started to rain. <laughs> Maybe it did. But at midnight, at midnight, there was a sound heard in that prison of prayers and praises, songs of praise to the Lord. So these two men, broken and bloody and beaten and bruised and in a hole all by themselves, abandoned seemingly, they began to offer up praise and prayer. That's not normal, people. That's not normal. Most of us, like, somebody said, well, you said this about me, and, you know, I give up. I quit. Somebody said something bad. About, I just give up, Lord. I can't do this anymore. Somebody said something bad about me, and we want to quit, you know? But there's a strength that the Apostle Paul had. He had something else. He had like a reserve. He had a standby that rose up from within him. And he was in a state of comfort that all the other inmates weren't experiencing. And, be, and he was able to pray, raise his hands, and sing praises to the Lord. And in that moment, it was so powerful, the other prisoners heard it and was like, what is this sound? And suddenly, the Lord shows up, didn't he? And the place began to shake, and the shackles were busted off, and the prison doors were flung open. And because of that, a whole family was born again that night. A whole family was saved that night. And we have a scripture, the believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That scripture was from that night. And think about if you just would have gave up. Lord, you've abandoned me. Why am I here? Well, how many of you know that God's calling us to a place where we might have to go through something <laughs> and we can't give up? We can't give up because it's with great power comes great responsibility. You know, it's like in the Spider-Man movies. He's calling us to something, right? We can't give up. And so we might not be in a dungeon today, Okay, but somebody might be saying something about us. We might be dealing with a sickness or a disease, you know, an issue. We might have a, a family member who's, you know, on drugs or, you know, just away from the Lord who, you know, our heart's breaking for. That's the moments when the Holy Spirit rises up within us and we take action and we put our faith into motion and we offer up praise and prayers and then let God do the work. It's not our job to actually get someone saved or go move a mountain. Or, but it's our job sometimes to speak. Like Jesus said, if you love me, you got to do something. You got to put something into motion. You got to put your money where your mouth is. Do what I command you to do. So what's he commanding you to do today? What's your situation that he wants to move in? And how are you going to react? Because the Apostle Paul gave us a great example. He suffered extreme persecution, extreme affliction. Yet at the same time, he said right here that he experienced extreme comfort of the Holy Ghost. And we're talking about it today, 2,000 years later. And it's changing lives today because of it. Well, let's look at Jesus too. 
Okay, the Apostle Paul is a great example, but let's look at our Lord. I mean, the perfect example, okay? Hebrews 12, 2. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's talk about Jesus and the cross right now. It was the most powerful example of selflessness and obedience and God at work that the universe has ever known. The cross of Christ. And he wasn't just looking at that cross and like, today's my day to die. And, and just down and just, you know, giving up. Now see, he said, for the joy set before him, he saw something that, that we don't see. He, he saw a promise. He saw a result. He saw you. He saw me. Here he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, Gethsemane whatever. <laughs> a beautiful garden. <laughs> under such pressure from the devil, under the power of death. Remember, at that time it said, the Bible said, the devil had the power of death. See? There you go. But he doesn't anymore. And so he's putting that pressure and power on Jesus. And it's so much that Jesus was sweating drops of blood. He was in such turmoil because his face was set like flint. But everything was trying to kill him right that moment. And what did he respond? He, he, he said the same song that we sang today. You know, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. I give myself away. He was the first one to say that. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away so you can use me, Lord. And then he got up and he went to that cross and he embraced that cross before that joy set before him and the shame and they plucked out his beard and they tortured him and they just ridiculed him and, and crowds of people who had just a few days before said, Hosanna, the Savior, he, he's a prophet, he's, he's awesome. You know, and they're celebrating his entry and now they're just chanting, crucify him, crucify him. We hate him. He's evil. I mean, they called the spotless son of God, evil. I don't understand it. It blows my mind. Whew. And then if you've ever seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, powerful movie. I mean, it gets me every time. But there's a place when he uh, has his cross and he's going to, you know, the Golgotha. And, and so there's certain times like he fell at different places. And if you're from a Catholic background, I think that has some... You know, it means something, you know, when he falls a certain amount of times. And so they showed that. Mel Gibson showed those exact amount of times, the Stations of the Cross or something. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to know, though. So anyway, Mary, at the same time, she's like running through like the alleyways because she's trying to like, you know, kind of catch up with them. Okay, if you remember that part of the movie. So she's kind of, he's like on a road over there and she's kind of running parallel down this street. And then she sees like every so often she'll get like a glimpse like through these alleys, you know. And finally, she like cuts down the last alley and they both meet up at the corner and he falls right then. And here's her little, her little boy, just, just beaten and bloody and, and going to die. And he, he, the cross just crushes him. It just falls right on top of his head. 
And he just, he, he had such a peace in his heart. And he was on such a mission. And the power of the Holy Spirit was, because that's not normal. A normal person can't just do that. There was something greater that was working within him, allowing him to do this. And he grabs that cross, and he puts it up on his shoulder, and his mother comes right to his face. And what were the words that he spoke? Anybody know? He said, Behold, mother, I make all things new. And it brings me to tears because he did that for me. And he was looking at me. And he grabbed that cross that, that my sin was working and putting on him, you know, my punishment that I deserved. And he saw that, that he could make me free, that he could make a difference in my life and rescue me and take something was, that was broken and make me new and make me victorious over the things that, were, that held me in bondage. He saw that. And that's what kept him going. That comfort of the Holy Spirit. That hope that was within him. And it, it was described as joy that was set before him. Because what the Holy Spirit does is that comfort, that help, lets that fruit of the Spirit come out in our lives. That love, that joy, that peace, that patience, that faithfulness. That goodness, that meekness, that self-control. You see, all those things are action things. It's not just like some inward hidden thing. It's fruit. It's out so people can see it. So when they look at you, they say, that's a loving man or woman. Boy, boy that guy over there, he's patient. Boy, he's been through a lot of stuff, and, but he's steady and consistent. You know, or, or, you know, that is a, a really, that person is so gentle in that situation. I don't know about you, but I've seen uh, just in the past year, in my own life, God want to stretch me and move me, and, I, and I've seen just a development of that fruit in my life that I'm so thankful for. Because it shows that the Holy Spirit is at work within my life. And so let me just share with one quick example of just my own testimony. So this past year has been a, such a difficult year for me. I've just been through the most stretching out of, it seems like, my whole life put together. I mean, my son's been deployed. You know, he's been gone for a year. I've got a new job, you know, with just learning completely new things, like really technical stuff and just doing a different type of a job that I, you know, haven't been used to for the last 20 years. And just, uh, it's, it's, uh, I've had a lot of travel that I've, I've been away from my wife more in this last year than our whole previous, you know, 24 years or whatever combined. So, I mean, it's just been like crazy. And then just also the Lord, like, at the same time, dealing with, like, personal issues in my life that I didn't even know were there, you know? It's like God's like, uh, okay, we're going to deal with this now. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know about that, Lord. You know, like, I'm not going to go into what they are right now, but, you know, it's like difficult stuff. And we're going to deal with this now, God? After all, you know, why couldn't I deal with this 20 years ago? And the Lord's like, well, now's the time to deal with it. I'm like, okay, all right. I didn't know it was the time, but I guess you're right, Lord. You know, let's just go with it. You know, it's been a, he, he's literally been like rewriting my brain. I don't know if you've ever gone through stuff like that where like you just have to like believe, unlearn what you have learned and learn new things. That's, that's like my last year. And so like I've had to rely so much just on the scriptures, I've just had to like dig deeper, you know, 
And then at the same time, I've had to reach out for help. I, I can't tell you how, how um, other people have just come alongside me and comforted me this year when I needed. Because that's one way that the Holy Spirit comforts is through other people. And that was one thing I was lacking in because I tried to isolate myself. I, but I need other people. We need each other. So different people like Pastor Carlos and just others, even like on the men's retreat, was just so powerful. It was just, just all you men who went, it, was just, it made such a difference in my life just to hear the different testimonies and just to pray with one another. But it brought me comfort. And it's producing fruit in my life. And so I'm just so thankful for that. But it's time for us to look up. You know, it's time for us to, to follow Jesus. It's just time. You know, let's just do it. Just go for it. You know, there might be something that you've held back. No, it's just, it's not worth it. Let go of it. It's time to follow his example. It's time somebody stood up for the truth, okay? It's time somebody started to shine the light. It's time that you are the salt in the situation that needs preservation and that needs flavor. It's time for you. It's time for me. It's time to go where Christ tells us to go. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to, to be a Christian at work. How many, okay? Just be a Christian at work. You'll go through some suffering. Try to, try to bring Christianity and biblical principles into politics. Well, you're going to suffer a little bit, okay? You only have like all the news media and the whole world just come down right on you, okay? Try to speak truth in a difficult situation when other people are holding on to lies. Whew, you'll suffer a little bit, you know? Try not to respond to those crazy posts on Facebook, you know? Get some patience. <laughs> you know, but we, we got to start going through it. It's worth it. Someone has to do it. And Jesus is calling us to that level. But he's not leaving us alone like, like he said in John. He's not leaving us helpless. We have the power that we need. We have the spirit that we need to be successful, to be victorious, to overcome. And not only just to, just to endure these situations, but look at the Apostle Paul. So, you know, we kind of sometimes think, I'm just enduring for Christ, you know. I'm just, just enduring. I'm just, no, you're just, you're just, I don't know, you're just alive, you know. But look at the Apostle Paul. He endured for a purpose because he was on a mission. His mission was to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And I don't care if they threw me in pr prison. I don't care if they hit me on the head with a baseball bat. I don't care if they just locked me up, if they threatened me, if they stoned me and left me for dead. I'm going to get up and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. That's what he said. So the suffering wasn't in and of itself the ends. It was a means to the end. He had to go through it. It's a difficult situation. But it's time we followed Christ Jesus. It's time we pick up our cross. It's like that old hymn, that song we sing some, sometimes here. I have decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back anymore. It's the cross before me and the world you get behind me. 
I'm picking up that cross. And if it means suffering, I'm going to suffer. If it means having to do without, I'm just going to do without, knowing that my God shall supply all my needs. That's true prosperity, trusting in the Lord, letting him do it. You know, there's a difference. And doing it through the hard times, doing it when people are lying about you, doing it when it seems like there's no hope, doing it when there seems like no provision, doing it when everyone's against you, doing it when you don't even feel like it, when you're sick and when you feel broken. But let the Holy Spirit rise up from within you. That's who he is. That's his job. That's his nature. The God of mercies, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. And guess what? He lives in you. And if you've gotten anything out of the past couple months from, from Pastor uh, talking on the Holy Spirit, is he's in you. He's right here. You're never without him. You can't run away from him. You can't, even if you try to turn your back on him, he's still there. You're never alone. Even in the darkest, deepest hole, he's there. And he can shine forth his light in you. I give myself away. Why? So he can use me. And he can use you. And you'll see his power in your life. And you'll see those situations change. And you'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And you'll preach the gospel and people's lives are changed and they're born again out of the blue. Whoa. And you'll see situations change. And you'll see the mountains move. And you'll see the rough places made smooth. But even through the rough places, you're still going. You're climbing the mountain if you have to. You'll dig through the mountain if you have to. But you're going to do what Jesus told you to do. Hmm. You know why? Because Ephesians 2, 6 says that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the joy that's really set before us. That's why we can do it. That's why we can pick up our cross. That's why we can despise the shame. I don't care what they say about me. I'm going to follow Jesus because we're seated with him already. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just, we just open our hearts unto you. We just receive what you have for us today. We're not holding back any longer, Lord, but the cross before us, the mission you've called us to, the true life and the true comfort zone you've called us to, Father, we want it. We want to walk in it. We want the Holy Spirit to work in our lives with nothing hidden anymore. Holy Spirit, would you come today and invade our lives like you did on the day of Pentecost? We want you and we need you. Would you teach us all the things that Jesus spoke forth? Would you bring this word alive to us that we would be changed into this image? Change us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you never leave us or forsake us. With every eye closed and every head bowed right now and all the saints still praying. You know, maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord. Maybe today you realize, yeah, Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he died for me. Maybe you're hearing that today for the first time, or maybe you've heard it a hundred times, and you've never responded. Well, why wait? If today you want to respond to the Lord Jesus knocking on your door, raise your hand right now. We're going to pray together. If that's you, you want to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. And give your heart to him. All the saints of God praying. 
Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So right now, I'm gonna pray with you. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose from the grave. And I make you my Lord today. Be Lord of my life in everything. I don't hold anything back. I give my heart to you. Would you use me, Lord? Would you, can, would you take my brokenness and these filthy rags and make something out of me? I believe you can do it, Lord. I repent of my sin. I turn from my wicked ways and I turn towards you, Lord, because you have forgiven me of all my sin. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you today have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have two invitations at the altar before we close. Maybe you're like, yeah, I need the Holy Spirit to be with me and I need him to live in me. And if that's you, if you've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you want that power, you want all that God has for you and you want to come forward, we're going to pray with you today. Or maybe you're someone who says, I need the comfort of the Lord. I heard what you're talking about, but I need it right now where I am. Would you come forward today? We're going to pray with you that you would have an experience with the person of the Holy Spirit today. And he's going to meet you right where you are. So please come forward. We would love to pray with you. Father, I just bless these people in the name of Jesus. Would they just have hearing ears and seeing eyes? Would they just take this word and would they run with it, Lord, and, and just go do exploits for the kingdom? Would you empower them, Father? Would you protect them? Would you anoint them and send them forth, Father? And keep them dry, Lord, and keep them safe on the way home. In Jesus' name, amen. We'd love to pray with you. Give myself.